It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast. It's your host, The Real Ed Oliver. We have special guest, a.k.a. new host, new co-host, Mavis Draft, part two of our draft special here. I told you guys he, he might as well just be just be my co-host now. Dude, I'm, I will never forgive myself. I, I will go back to my parents' place. When I moved out years ago, I left a John Wall shirt thinking, I'll never need that. And here I am in dire need of a John Wall shirt and I can't find it. So I, I will change my name to Wizards Draft the second I get <laughs> the second I get that John Wall shirt. Oh man, that, that would be funny. That would be awesome. I mean the people in the comments would would definitely love you if you if you change your name to Wizards Draft. Um but yeah John John is a legend. You know we'll see what happens this offseason. You know we'll we'll see. I wouldn't mind him back, but you know we'll 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 get back we'll get back to the draft talk here. Um, so we're going to talk about Dyson Daniels um, from the G League Ignite. Uh, Dyson Daniels was listed as I want to say Mike Schmitz just listed him as six foot eight uh, with a six eleven wingspan. You know, watching him, I don't know if you've seen him in person, but watching him, how much do you buy into that stock? And do you think that the measuring of his wingspan that really does? Do you think that moves him up in the draft boards at all? A little bit. Uh, when you can handle the ball at that size, I, I'm a firm believer in those jumbo playmakers. I'm going to keep throwing it back with former Wizards on this podcast, so I'm going to do my best not to touch any <laughs> non-Wizards. But, you know, like Isak Bonga as a prospect was not the same, but he was advertised as that he could handle the ball overseas, didn't really do it in the NBA. But at his size, it was really appealing. Obviously, it didn't work out, but sometimes it doesn't equate to actual skill. And I don't know. Just kind of want to see what Dyson. It doesn't change really how I've evaluated him. Right. And uh, where do you have him on your big board? I currently have him in the twenties. I have him at twenty-two. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm a little wow. bit lower on him than most. Okay. Yeah. Um. I'm really skeptical on him. Like, I really don't know what to think. I mean, the Wizards have really drafted a lot of Swiss Army knives. You know, Denny Avdia is a Swiss Army knife. He's a guy that can do it all, but doesn't do anything really elite yet i mean you got the passing elite defensively six nine guy long wingspan secondary ball handler um they drafted troy brown what two or three years ago another guy who's a jack of all trades ball handler six nine somewhat of a long wingspan not really elite at one thing and then i watched dyson where he's he's good everything except for shooting and then you know denny was not a good three-point shooter troy brown jr was a 29 percent shooter out of oregon you know what do you do you think do you have dyson rated higher than those guys in your pre-draft evaluation higher than denny or higher than troy brown jr no i i was somebody who i like troy brown a little bit too much mm -hmm. and i've learned from my mistakes but 
I I also really liked Denny Avdia though. I, I was a big fan of him and I'm still pretty convinced there's some untapped potential. How realistic it is to mm-hmm. achieve that, hard to say. But they, he does run into similar problems that Denny does. Uh, Denny and Dyson, I should say, they they have a lot of similarities. They are both great defenders, advertised as that mm-hmm. ball handlers, but not quite a point guard. But they can handle the ball. And the three point shots an absolute question mark. Like that mm-hmm. general overview really screams Denny Oftia, and also the high basketball IQ things like that. There's a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have some numbers here. These are not his full numbers from the G League because it's not easy to really get their stats. So they have 14 games. I want to say this is from the showcase. He, he averaged 11 points per game, uh, 44% from the field, 25% from the three-point line, which is really underwhelming. I know he shot better towards the end of the year, um, 73% from the, from the free-throw line, four assists per game, which is definitely encouraging, uh, 1.9 steals per game, which you talked about his defense. That's very encouraging as well. Um, and uh, – 0.8 blocks per game. So a guy he, that, you know, he's he has some sneaky blocks here and there from what I've seen. I, I think he's a really, really solid defender. Um, but what what about your shoot? What about his shooting gives you hope or what about it really, really gives you concern? Yeah, the thing that really scares me is like the free throw percentage isn't bad. The three point percentage, uh, although it's weird because the G League does not actually have accurate numbers. They Mm-hmm. I've sorted it into the Ignite tour or whatever, that, that showcase tour, and then like the regular season. So you can't find consistent numbers, but his stretch in the at least the first half of the season was rough. He was shooting mm-hmm. 25% from three, and no matter what the free throw percentage is, you're shooting 25% from three. That's not good. He mm-hmm. has an issue where he can't, like, I, I don't think he can quickly get his shot up in the NBA mm-hmm. because he has to put the ball, he has to exaggerate the hand motion so bad of putting the ball under where it actually like, it hurts my wrist doing this. Like where he just goes <laughs> back all the way. Like, you know, a lot of guys are just like, all right, done. It's a two motion thing with his hand. Everything else is like one motion, but with his hand, you see him put the, his hand on the ball. I have this ball behind me. I could probably actually like right. do it, but <laughs> it takes a lot of work. And he's just, instead of like just going right to the spot, he has to put his hand on the ball, then get to a spot, then release. It's just a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Right. So even when he's wide open, it takes a long time for him, for him to get it all for how, how is he shooting with a, with a, with a guy closing out on him? Yeah, it's uh you know, it's a it's a struggle. I think for him, you look at some of like the catch and shoot mechanics, for example, I think he rushes into shots in ways like he does need to speed up his shot and things like that and that's where it's going to bite him. Is can he get his shot off against NBA closeouts? And I, I honestly, early on, I know for a fact the answer is going to be no. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. So over his final ten games, he shot forty one percent on three point three on on three pointers, but it was three attempts per game, which is you know not a lot of volume, but it it did show you know some encouraging stats there. You know he was fifty fifty percent from in between you know from the floater area, um, that was per in stat fifty two percent at the rim, which you know you definitely can improve on. Um, so how do you how do you think his finishing is? around the rim like his floaters and finishing over bigs yeah the floater numbers aren't that great they're also not bad i think Mm -hmm. it's an area he can improve in and ultimately i think he has good touch around the rim so i'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt for that in the half court he probably dunked five times tops everything else would have been transition dunks he's just not overly athletic he does not blow by guys in any way so he's going to be taking a lot of contested shots at the rim and when you're a below the rim finisher that becomes an issue. So I'm not confident in the finishing exactly being a strength. 
In fact, I think it could be a, an alarming weakness. Oh, man. Yeah, you're really making me skeptical on Dyson a lot there. I mean, and yeah, Denny, Denny's improving with his finishing, but that's something that, you know, he he's, you know, he's struggling with right now is finishing around the rim. Um, so we, you know, another guy that doesn't shoot the three well. The Wizards need shooters. There were, you know, 20, I want to say they were 25th. I have the stats here too on that too. They were they were really bad three-point shooting team. They were 26 in three-point percentage, 29th in three-pointers attempted, 30.6. So that's something that I feel like the Wizards are definitely um, emphasizing on getting guys that can stretch the floor. Like like we talked about earlier, Benedict Mathurin, a guy that can come in and just knock down threes. Or a guy like Ochai, Agbaji, somebody that can come in and knock down threes. So Dyson kind of doesn't check the box on what they're looking for from a shooting aspect, but defensively, which is what we're going to get to next, uh, I really think he can check the box on that. I think that's probably one of his, his better, one of the better attributes of, of his skill set. Um, but before we do get to that, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online. Tonight we have well we got the Mavericks against the Jazz. We'll see how that one goes. I actually had I'm sorry, not the Mavericks versus Jazz. Mavericks versus Suns. Um, that one I have the Suns beating the Mavericks. I think it's going to go to seven. Um, so you know if you want to have my take on it, put your bet in, on bet online. You know, see how this Mav Sun game Suns game goes. Mm-hmm. I have the Mavs and Suns going to Game Seven. And I, I got a feeling the Suns will win in Game Seven. That's just how I'm feeling. Mavs draft, you know. I know you're a Mavs fan, but that's where I'm going. Uh, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sporting developments, league reviews, and news, including the year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked on Wizards your first listen every day. Now make your second listen. Locked on NBA Big Board host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock draft player rankings, and, of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Also, don't forget that Mavs Draft is also on NBA Big Board as well. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, but how are you feeling real quick about the Mavs Sun series? You know, uh, I thought they were going to get swept after those first two games, but the Mavs <laughs> haven't won two home games in a row since, like, man, I want to say it was before they won the finals officially. I think it was like that series. So, mm-hmm. you know, anytime that ever comes up in a, in a, uh, in a sentence, things are looking up. The swing game is obviously game five. Usually winner of that takes the series. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> right. All right. So the Wizards need a point guard. You already said that Dyson most likely won't translate to a point. Could you see him being because you see a guy like a Tomas Sadaransky who is six nine. They they kind of have that same athleticism there where they kind of have sneaky athleticism. They get the long wingspan. Tomas is a good defender as well. 
Um, do you see Dyson may possibly developing into a primary ball handler where he can initiate offense? Um, did you kind of see that with him and Jaden Hardy where he brought up the ball and started the offense picking rolls and getting guys open? Yeah, that is definitely a, a strength. The playmaking is really strong. And, you know, when he gets those, one of my favorite plays for him was he did these dribble handoffs where he would have somebody in like the, the big man would come up to the top of the key. He would do a quick give and go and it automatically threw the defense off because they would go under, but he was just so creative and the head of steam, it made it really hard to stop him getting to drives. And that's actually an area where while that is self-creation, his ability to find shooters and just find other players out of the drive, that's a big strength and can help his playmaking grow. Right. So we're, we're his, so his weaknesses obviously is the shoot is shooting from the outside shooting from the three. So you said his strengths are, you know, coming off screens, that give and go. Where do you see an NBA team really utilizing him day one offensively? Where where are his strengths offensively? Yeah, you're you're gonna have him be. I don't know how to really describe it. You want him as just that heady player that you can trust with the ball in his hands, and he's probably a defense first guy early in the NBA. With the growth of you know maybe he can handle the ball and create a little bit. That's probably gonna be his main trade is just playmaking and maybe some floaters as well mm-hmm. and so defensively where do you see him guarding guys do you see him being capable of being your point of attack defender taking on the best you know guy you know since he is since you know he is measured out now to be six foot eight do you th- see him taking on you know your jimmy butlers of the world or you know taking on your um, Devin Booker's, or the, you know, just saying, hey, like a Matisse Thibault kind of guy. Do you see him coming in and being that in the NBA? Yeah, I think he's a guy you can honestly trust to put on the best player on the other team. Like he is, as he gets stronger too, you're going to see him really just get better in terms of skill as a defender. I think he's going to be able to shut plays down before they happen, things like that. He's a lights out defender. Definitely. Um, so yeah, he did average about two steals a game. So you could definitely see that getting deflections and getting in, getting in the passing lane. Um, his shooting from the three was a concern, but does he have somewhat of a pull up jumper? Did you see anything like that? Any step backs to his game at all? <laughs> well, he okay, no to the pull up jumpers, like absolutely no. Uh, I wasn't a fan of what I saw, but. Mm-hmm. But if you look up Mavs draft Dyson Daniels, you will see one of the sickest behind the back step backs you have ever seen from a non NBA player. Like mm-hmm. he he went probably like ten feet on this behind the back, shook his man towards the rim. So maybe some growth on that. I don't, pull ups, I, I'm iffy on. Mm-hmm. Right, and when he played in the Rising Stars game, he he did look pretty spring and athletic. It's not like when he jumped. I feel like he really could have just turned it over and dunked it, but he likes to kind of lay and finger roll above the rim. So his athleticism, it's there, but it's kind of like weird. Like it definitely, you feel like you could see more, more potential there. Like he's, he, he, I feel like he has quick leaping ability, but it's not super athletic. And I have seen him, you know, dunk on a half court. Like he just zoomed by some guy and dunked it on. Uh, he didn't dunk on anybody, but he, you know, he had a nice um, dunk in, in the half court. Um, but I do want to get to some some good landing spots where you think you know some good landing spots. You know, like where Washington would be a good landing spot. But before we do get to that, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? 
like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer. Choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry, you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so you said on your list you would have him at 22. So now I, see, I do see him, or your big board, you would have him at in the 20s or 22, late late first, out of the lottery. So, um the consensus or, you know, like ESPN, the athletic and, you know, the big boy that you're on with, you know, Chad Ford and Rafael Barlow, where do you, where does the national media have him? How high do you, like, what would, how high would be surprising for you? Do you see him? Like if he went top six or seven, would that be a surprise? And then let's say if he drops to pick 29, would that be a surprise to you? I think the floor for him would be more surprising if he made it to the 20th or so uh, spot. I think that that'd be pretty surprising. What wouldn't shock me is if he went as early as eight, who knows if he rises. I mean, we saw Josh Giddy rise out of nowhere. Those kind of guys who, and I had a lot of same similar uh, concerns offensively. Like I didn't know how Giddy would finish. I didn't know how he would score off the dribble and he was a top five rookie this year. So sometimes that can be overcome and maybe some of that recency bias, of players who have succeeded in those roles pays out for a team. I, I think he goes honestly seven to 14, seven or eight to 14, I should say. Right. And then where do you rank him in this class offensively, his offensive game? And then where do you rank him in this class? Uh, <laughs> well, we'll start offensively. Uh, I'm just going to be nice and say not good on offense. <laughs> 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 and on defense though, defense, a whole different story. He's a top 10. He's a top five to 10 defender. Mm-hmm in the draft uh, maybe could inch up to number four, I would say uh, off the top of my head, he's safely in the top 10 on that front. Like mm-hmm. if you're a team that needs defense and can sacrifice a little bit of offense here and there, take him. Okay. So I would say the top defenders in the, in the draft class probably would be, you know, Walker Kessler or, you know, some bigs um, I'm trying to think of some guys, you know, Benedict might be in there. Would you rank Benedict in the top Benedict with in the top 10 defensively? He's close. Um, there's a few. I mean, Jalen Duran is definitely mm-hmm. one. Chet Holmgren is probably number one. Mm-hmm. Jabari Smith, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe one of like Christian Coloco is Kamayo Kamagate. A lot of the bigs like are, who you're going right, to see. Blake yeah. Wesley. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say those are the instant ones for me. Okay, and then so offensively, he's probably about twentieth, like behind you. You know, Kennedy Chan- Kennedy Chandler is probably more advanced. You would say Ty Ty is probably more advanced offensively. Jaden Hardy is probably more advanced. Guys like that, Johnny Davis. I think that yeah, those are those are just easy guys to really say. Um, but I guess like Sohan and Kendall Brown, would you group him in that group? 
would you have him above those guys or do you see him behind those those guys from Baylor? Well, I, I never have let up on my Kendall Brown stock. I've personally mm-hmm. been a big, big fan of what he brings to the table. And while it is like it's overlapping, except for him, I, I don't know how to put this into words, but just his ability to play a different role. Like with Dyson Daniels, this might happen where you could play the Iguodala role. Um, I think Kendall Brown can do that very well. Jeremy Sohan can do that great. But mm-hmm. I trust Kendall Brown's shot the most of those three, and I, and I think I trust him to play within himself offensively, knowing how to use the lack of shooting as a strength the most. Whereas, like, Sohan, I mean, his shot is bad. It is really bad. It's a fatal flaw. And, and <laughs> Dyson Daniels, it might be a fatal flaw too. So I don't think Kendall Brown's is a fatal flaw. It's just a flaw. Right. All right, so where do you see Dyson fitting on the Washington Wizards? We talked about this with Benedict. Um, this once again, we'll say point guard is is Tyus Jones, or just to, that's probably the easiest way to acquire somebody in free agency. Um, Bradleyville, the shooting guard, KCP at the three, Kuz at the four, Zingas at the five. Do you see Dyson cracking the starting five in, at any point? You have Benedict cracking the starting five 30 games in or playing at least 30 games. Uh, do you see do you see Dyson cracking the starting five at all? How do you see his minutes? Do you think he'll spend a little bit of time? You know, James Book Knight spent time in the G League, a lot of time in the G League this year. So it's not a bad thing if Dyson's in the G League, but do you see that happening at all with Dyson? I'd be kind of surprised. I, I actually hate the fit with Washington, even though mm-hmm. he's always linked there. Uh, I, I've never really been a big fan of that when you have Denny Optia. You were drafting right. the exact same player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I, I think Dyson's a little more athletic, but I think yeah, you're 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 describing they're both really really good defenders. Denny turned into an elite defender to start the season off. It was a really good defender, versatility, and he's Denny's a secondary ball handler. He can play point from time to time. He can bring the ball up off of a rebound. Um, but shooting is the swing skill. They both have a lot of improvement from the three point line. Like you said, finishing is something they both have to improve on. As well. So, who's your uh, comparison for Dyson Daniels? Yeah, got a couple names. Uh, start with the Wizards, mm-hmm. Denny Avdia, <laughs> um, Jarrett Culver, a little bit. Just a lot of the pre draft hype did not live mm-hmm. up to it. The jump shot really killed his game, didn't have the explosiveness, but really good defender and mediocre slasher. Could mm-hmm. see a very similar outcome. And that way, that would be a disappointing one. But the high end one is uh, there's a lot of similarities to this guy, I think disregarding the health is Malcolm Brogdon. And mm-hmm. obviously it's like one of the easiest guys to throw around on a, on a guard who's not quite a point guard and he can kind of shoot like it's a swing skill and he can defend. So I like those three as a blend of any of those three. Mm-hmm. All right. And then we'll wrap up with um, credit to no ceilings uh, pod. You know, we're in, we're in the group chat with them. I think doing a mock draft. Um What's your uh, set or the draft DQ podcast? I think is either one of those. Uh, what's your selling point on Dyson Daniels? Uh, it looks like it's good after what you just said earlier. It's, it's probably going to be a, a tough sell on on Dyson. But what's your selling point? All right, so I'll I'll, I'll be optimistic. I'm just I'm not entirely there on him. Like I, mm-hmm. I'll start with smarter people than me that I've trusted to, on swing guys that have per- turned out right. They like him. That's the first thing. My under my my scouting report under exceeds expectations category. If his scoring evolves and it develops in the NBA, you know, becomes a three level scorer in some capacity, just simply hitting pull up jump shots off of fakes, being the mid range 
And if the finishing does translate, it was about average in the G League. If he gets better at finishing just around the rim. And then if the three-point shot does come along, it is a real possibility. 74% from the line is not an unrealistic number to overcome. That would work. Um, I think other than that, you know, he could be a defensive specialist. And I actually do think, depending on where he's drafted, that's a valuable player. Defensive specialist who can handle the ball and maybe hit a couple spot-up threes, make the defenses respect him a little bit. That's who you're getting out of him. Definitely. I like the defensive upside. I like some of the athleticism. The shooting is very scary. It's very concerning to me. Did shoot better towards the end. But, um, yeah, you definitely tried to sell it the first 20 minutes of the show. You know, you said, hey, you really felt about Dyson, and I'll, I'll definitely take your word on it. Um, at pick 10, there's definitely a couple guys who I would rather, you know, take. I actually like Malachi Branham from Ohio State over Dyson. Um, so if 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 the draft because I've seen a lot of mock drafts where Johnny Davis is gone, Benedict's gone. Um, I actually see Johnny Davis falling a little bit in some drafts where he's falling like 14. But yeah, if 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 Benedict's gone and say Johnny's gone and it's Dyson and Malachi's there and Ty Ty's there, who do, who do you think who who would you take out of those three guys for the Wizards? Uh, I'll give I'll give a quick little rundown on some of the other guys that I've mm-hmm. you know we didn't talk about them a lot, but. I don't think I like Ty Ty as much as I used to. I think you got a, a decent floor, low ceiling guy. To me, it's just not that attractive. I think he's fine on defense, good, really good in pick and roll. Just doesn't do a great job, I don't think, of scoring at all three levels. Really, at any three level, I don't think he's great at. He's like good at and scaling up to the NBA. I don't know. Obviously, it's a little bit different playing at Kentucky, so maybe something's hidden. But ultimately, I, I don't think he's the guard I would take a chance on. Malachi Branham, though, you look at what he did in non-conference, was a non-factor. The second the calendar turned over to the big to January and the Big Ten play, he really adjusted well to the competition, averaged over 20 points a game on efficient scoring. He's really confident getting to the basket. His jump shot is clean. He can attack closeouts on defense. And I think one thing that makes him really special is that his size and his foot speed, all of that, he can recover from screens really well in a league full of pick and rolls. You have to be able to defend it. It can make, your, make you a negative on the defensive end if you're a guard and you have no way of not getting suffocated into a screen. Not only does he not get suffocated, but he also recovers. So I like him on both ends. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I'm taking – sounds like you say we agree on Malachi. Sounds like we're taking Malachi at Big Ten, but – yeah, I just want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Wizards your first listen every day. And make your second listen Locked on NBA from the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the NBA Finals. Locked on experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. Mavs, I just want to thank you again. Is there anything you want to plug, like the big board coming up or anything like that? Yeah, we, uh, we just got episodes pumping out left and right. Uh, and then anything else I do, just at Mavs Draft on Twitter. It's film. It's one one day or the other. It's going to be film. Scouting reports alternates a lot. So you'll see stuff every day on there. Yeah. Next time Mavs comes on, he's going to have a Wizards jersey, a Wizards hat, you know, everything. <laughs> hey, you know what? I forgot. I do have that. I have the old blue and gold one from like 2008. Right. So, yeah, I somehow I came a Wizards fan. I don't remember how it happened or anything, but here I am, Wizards draft. Yeah. <laughs> Legendary. The, the Gilbert Arenas blue, uh, blue, gold, and white colors. Dude, all-time, an all-time colorway. Yeah. (laughs) All right, you guys. Thank you guys for watching. Hell to the Wizards. Peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad 
free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.